0: hello you're listening to the mr money podcast mr money Jar here this episode is taken from an instagram live and has been uploaded in its entirety this means that some of what you hear may seem odd in an audio format for example there might be references to questions that appeared during the live plus some audience interaction and very rarely some swearing or audio mishaps thanks for listening and i hope you enjoyed the show Hey everyone, welcome to episode 46 of the Mr. Money Jar Show. Today we're going to be joined by Muna Yassin, the Managing Director of Fair Money Advice, and we're going to be speaking about Buy Now, Pay Later. And if you've been shopping online, particularly over the past 12 months, Buy Now, Pay Later doesn't really need much of an in- introduction. Um, companies like Klarna lay by clear pay, after pay, which enable you to make purchases and then split the cost of those purchases over a number of payments, normally three payments. And they have, to be honest, the sentiment towards them has not been great. Um, you know, they make it easier for people to buy things that they might not be able to afford and there have been some questions as to their regulatory status and um, the effects they have on things like your credit score. And the great thing about today's live is that we have managing director of uh, a money advice company whose job it is to help people who um, fall upon financial difficulty. So I'm really looking forward to our conversation with Muna today. And I'm going to go ahead and add her to Great to see everyone joining. Thank you very much. Good evening, Finance Reboot. Great to see you. Hello, Meena.
1: Hi, Timmy, how are you?
0: I'm good. I'm good, it is so good to see you. Likewise. Um, just for, for everyone who uh, doesn't know about my, well, there's basically no one doesn't know about our history. I first met Meena last year or the year before and we spoke about doing something together. This was back when you're allowed to meet in groups of more than six Mm. and the tube stations didn't have hand sanitizer in them. So this is pre-pandemic and uh, the pandemic happened and we kept the conversation going and we're now finally being able to do something. I hope this is the first of many uh, initiatives. I mean, it's really great to have you on.
1: Pleasure to be here, Timmy, and it's a different world that we're talking in. Yeah, yeah, it's a lovely to be here and to see your development. Actually, from where our first conversation started, it's amazing. So thank you for having me.
0: Thank you, thank you very much. Let's dive straight in. For the people who don't know who you are and who haven't heard of FMA, Fair Money Advice, so do introduce yourself and tell us about what you do.
1: Brilliant. Okay, so Fair Money Advice is a specialist debt advice charity. Um, we help people who are managing financial distress. Um, and then really work them through that kind of crisis process um, to stabilize their finances, but also use it as an opportunity to think about their kind of long-term financial goals. So um, we work with them one-to-one. We will deal with all of their creditors on their behalf, um, try and maximize their income where we can, but also ensure that they are only paying what they're actually um, liable for. So lots of our clients actually think that they're liable for things that. Um, just because the creditor has claimed so. So really checking through and making sure that everything that uh, people are told that they are owed is exactly what they are owed. Um, And then working with them to kind of work out a budget that suits them and that's sustainable. And I think that word is really important because lots of times people are contacted by their creditors um, and they agree to pay whatever they're asked to pay, not thinking actually it's better to offer something that you can afford on a longer-term basis rather than the highest amount that the creditor is looking for. So my team will go through the whole process of working out what that budget is, what that surplus income is, and then really focus around prioritizing people's income. So your priorities, your rent, your council tax, all of the kind of debts that have serious consequences. Um, whereas the people that shout the loudest are your secondary creditors, most likely people like the credit card companies, the loan companies. So it's really about making sure that people recognize what their rights are, um, what their responsibilities are, and working through that process with them. We. we We cover the whole of London, and obviously because of the pandemic, we had to pivot our services to remote services. Yes. So that, yeah, absolutely. So that's given us the opportunity to actually cover a much wider area, but also present ourselves to a new type of Um, client—younger people. So I'm hoping there's lots of young people on this Instagram, um, but people who necessarily wouldn't have gone to a face-to-face advice service because they didn't think it was for them um, or because of the stigma attached. So the ability to be able to have that anonymous conversation confidentially over the telephone or via a digital tool um, has really opened up the space for a new type of client as well.
0: That's awesome. And yeah, congratulations for being able to take the lemons of the pandemic and turn them into lemonade because... It's been a very difficult time for for lots of people, and I'm sure you've had lots of eye-opening conversations with your clients as well. Um, Yeah, when we first spoke about what we might talk about today, buy now, pay later came up as a no-brainer type topic for us. Why do you think that is?
1: I think buy now, pay later has become... A, a topic now because of the the fact that we're all shopping online and it's become more prevalent um, historically buy now pay later it's not something new it's been around for years we used to call it um, kind of uh, shop finance or, or your kind of um, high street finance so you went in yes. and you brought something um, you signed on the dotted line and you were able to pay in installments Technology has kind of changed how that process happens and people are finding themselves how easy it is to be able to kind of just click on the button at the end of their kind of purchase process um, and start to pay through a different means. So people think it's a payment process, when in actual fact, you're really buying now and paying later. So it's slightly different to um, the way that it's presented sometimes on the websites. Um, and people kind of think actually it's just a payment process it gives them the opportunity to pay in three installments but in reality uh, you are taking a buy now pay later um, product and you may not be aware of the consequences of that product
0: yeah I had a and finance reboot said instant gratification I do think that's a part of it because you have online purchases which remove the need for you to transact in cash and therefore have that tangible sense that you're buying something. But then you can get stuff like straight away. And then you also add on like same or next day delivery. And you can see how you, you have a society in which you can have anything you want at any time you want almost. Um, and it's really good that you've noted that um, Buy Now, Pay Later isn't new and that it's been around. Because one of the, qu- one of the questions I want to ask you today is, How's it different to, you know, putting something on a 0% credit card, say, or just 0% finance in general? Are there any distinctions to draw between the two?
1: Um, just stepping back a little bit and historically. Um, yeah. So I think historically um, it's been a very useful tool for people of low income. So the ability to be able to buy high street goods um, in a way that's affordable to them. And things like the catalog companies, Um, which were very prevalent when I was growing up and people were able to budget. um, And it meant that you were actually paying more for those goods, but at least you were able to access them. Um, And I think it's been an evolution from that. So people expect to be able to shop where everybody else is shopping. So that instant gratification thing definitely applies. But I think with the credit card, you go through a set process of being assessed whether or not you're eligible for that credit card. Um, And I think that hinders a lot of people from accessing the goods that they need via credit card because they don't have enough uh, of a credit score or a good enough credit score to be able to access the credit card to make the purchase in the first place. Sure. And what's happened is... Um, because our shopping habits have changed and everything is online, and most people need a credit card to be able to shop online, the buy now, pay later kind of new um, version, shall we say, of them have found a way to be able to deliver that service using technology and being able to provide it very quickly and with what's called a soft credit search. So, you don't necessarily need to have good credit to be able to access their kind of paying installment service they will just generally check that you are who you are, you live where you say you live, um, and the bank account that you've given them is legit and matches the details that you've given them. So it provides much more access to people who may be financially vulnerable, but don't realize that they are, um, and they haven't been assessed um, about their affordability in the same way that they would be if they were going through a credit card.
0: Um, I was reading, on the government's website um, I think we we saw a tripling in the use of buy now pay later services over the course of the pandemic how's that been for you in terms of the, the services that you deliver to your clients what sorts of things have you been seeing and what sorts of conversations have you been having
1: it's been interesting because um obviously the pandemic has absolutely speeded up that process so I think I was reading somewhere that um Purchases in 2020 using buy now pay later had reached 9.6 billion in the UK, and that's through um, research that WorldPay have done, and they expect yes. actually that to continue, um, and reach around 26 million billion, sorry, by uh, 2024. So you can see there's a massive increase, and I think again it's that ease of use. And I think it's the fact that actually it's marketed very much so at young people and it's very aspirational. So it's linked to what they're purchasing. We're starting to see through our client base, actually, that um, as the, the age of our clients starts to come down and the use of technology is used, normalized for them in their other parts of their lives, in their everyday lives, that actually Klarna and others like them are starting to crop up in their um, expenditure, right. but interestingly, they do not see it as a debt. They see it as revolving credit or just a way to make a payment to buy the purchases that they need. So there is an education piece that's missing around actually, this is a debt. Uh, just because you haven't signed a credit agreement doesn't mean that it's not a debt. Um, and so really making sure that we understand actually how our client base and our, our kind of service users are interacting with these types of providers is really important for us as we start to think about what response and what education and awareness raising that we need to do as part of that process.
0: Yeah, what I also find very interesting, you know, is the user journey. So I have made one buy now, pay later purchase, I think ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and have been considering a second one. So the first one was I bought a mattress and the mattress cost more than a hundred quid. And as a general rule of thumb, when me or um, my fiance buy something over a hundred quid, we do try to put it on a credit card. So we get that section 75 protection, but couldn't do it. So we put it on our pay later. We had the cash up front. So we were literally just spreading the cost of the purchase and The fact that we were using Klarna for that purchase was very clear from the beginning. What I find interesting is another purchase I've been considering is the next time I get a phone putting it on 0% finance. Klarna is mentioned in the small print of that purchase so it's not immediately clear that Klarna is providing that 0% finance um, on that phone and I just find that super interesting. The fact that people just see it almost as like an extension of, you know, next day delivery or something like that, when actually what you're doing is you're borrowing the purchase price of the item until you've paid it off.
1: And I think that's where regulators need to catch up. Because I think the the companies that are, and Klan is one of the ones that we're mentioning, but there are several others as well that yeah. operate in this space and in the same way. But I think there's something around, and I, I know the FCA are now looking at regulating the buy now, pay later market much more yeah. stringently, and that review is ongoing at the moment. Um, But I genuinely think there's something around the advertising as well. So marketing and looking at things like the Advertising Standards Agency and what their responsibility around how some of these promotions are marketed um, outside of financial promotions, I think is also important. But I think there's also a responsibility with the, um, the, the retailer, ensuring that anybody who's purchasing off their site is clear about who they are affiliated with or what that payment provider is um, so i think there's lots of things that we need to catch up on because technology has driven us so fast around what these companies can do um, and i think it's just not just the regulators but also the consumer societies and ourselves within the um, kind of debt advice world in the financial education world also have to realize actually um, what are the things that we need to catch up on um, to ensure that people are aware and they're making informed decisions like you say, as opposed to it looks a bit like this or it's presented in this way. Um, What's the harm of just clicking the button? It will be delivered in 24 hours. And I think we we are very much a delivery society now. So if we want it, it has to come within the next 24 hours. And sometimes that speed of decision is not always the right thing when you're making a financial decision.
0: Yeah. Um, Poku Banks, uh, one of the previous guests on this show, uh, and also a creator on um, Instagram and on TikTok, he posted a video once showing that you can now finance food, so you can eat now, pay later. Um, yeah, that's this- a new one for me. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's it's like it's it's spreading. The thing is, I'm going to ask you a couple of loaded questions, but they are opposites of each other um, because. I personally think that financial services products are a tool, essentially, and they can be used responsibly or not. So my first slightly loaded question is, what don't you like about buy now, pay later? And I'm going to ask the opposite as well, which is, can you actually use it to your advantage? Can you use it responsibly? But the first question, what, what do you categorically just like, no, this isn't for me?
1: So I think the first one is, and this is a loaded um, answer as well, to <laughs> <laughs> um, we talk about gateways, right, into bad behavior. So if you're talking about narcotics or drugs, you say there are gateway drugs that get you into things, um, or there are alcohol drinks that are marketed at teenagers that then kind of drive you into the alcohol space for me i think the buy now pay later and the way that it's presented now um especially with these news company new companies is very much a gateway into a life of debt potentially if you don't know how to use it in the right way so i think so definitely for me i think it's about capturing young people at the very start of their kind of economic lives and trapping them into debt if they're not aware of how to use it in the right way. So I think there are pitfalls around um, how it's linked to the aspirations of our youngsters, how it's marketed to them. And I think for me, I have a huge concern considering the numbers that have come out of how much has been bought on buy now, pay later just in the last year yes. and what's predicted to come going forward. It, it it gives me unease about what the next generation's debt bubble is going to look like and what their personal finances are going to look like. Um, I also think there's something around that instant gratification. It's taking away from um, a whole generation, if this continues in the way that it is, the idea of having to think through what your financial goals are and finding a way to make it, fit within your means and if you can't make it fit within your means do you have a plan to be to be able to do that and I think we've gone away from planning for our goals and our objectives and I think there's something around this whole instant gratification and this whole kind of delivery um, and uberization of our society that will lead to people needing more continually to get that that kind of fix or, that, or, or they feel better about themselves or whatever the reason is that they're purchasing these things for. But I think there's something around the ease that really makes me feel uneasy about the whole process.
0: Yeah, there's a really great comedian that I like. He's got us, um, Ronnie Cheng. He's got a special on Netflix, but there's a bit from his special which you can find on YouTube. And he's talking about Amazon Prime and about how like, there's just nowhere left to go but Prime before. Which is basically where you get sent stuff before you want it. And like the, the platform does all of the thinking for you. It's true. I remember back in the day, you wanted something. You had the Argos catalog.
1: You're showing your age here to me. You got,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you got your pen and like you circled the catalog numbers of the things you wanted. And if you were good, it would you know when Christmas or your birthday rolled around then you would get something out of the Argos catalog. And there is this psychological thing of, when you save up for something, when you plan for something, you do value it more. If you're just able to get things as and when you want them, uh, there is a tendency to give them less uh, value, I think. But, you know, that could just be me speaking as a, no, you know, well, th- th- 31 year old, um, showing my age you said. No,
1: um, I agree, I think, that- there is much more satisfaction from having achieved and got whatever it is that you saved up for in your hands when you know that there's been some some hard work behind it um and i think we've lost that value
0: Mm. but the second half of the question um and hello to everyone who's just joined um we're here with mina Yatin. Uh, managing the Director of Fair Money Advice, and we're talking all things buy now, pay later. Thank you very much for joining. I can see the sun is shining outside, so um, yeah, we'll we'll all we'll get out there. um in, in the uh, yeah, the second half of the the question and the kind of balanced, um, you know, I'm sort of losing your face a bit. That's better. Yeah, 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 that's good, that's good. Um, this is going to be saved as a podcast as well, so that'll be an interesting bit of the podcast to listen to. Um, yeah, so the flip side of the question, which is the debt is a tool perspective. Are there any upsides to buy now, pay later?
1: Um it's a useful tool. So if you have a cash flow problem, so uh, for example, um, the way that the buy now, pay later, and I'll use Klarna as an example, because I think they're very similar to how the others are. If you just use their paying installments function and pay that off within the installment structure, it helps with the cash flow issue. So if you know you have money coming in and you need to buy something, um, it's, it's a really good way for you to be able to actually manage your cash flow get the goods that you need in for whatever reason and then you can pay within 30 days Um, and that should be fine I think the issue comes where people who would probably not be able to afford the item anyway yeah use it in a way to be able to access it without thinking through how they're going to pay for it over the long term, or where you have somebody who thinks, okay, I can pay in 30 days. um, And then life throws something at you. Um, We've all been throwing COVID in the last 12 months, but you never know what can happen. You can end up losing your income or you can end up losing your job and suddenly you can't pay that 30 days. But for me, I think there's something definitely around the ability to be able to manage your cash flow and be able to access goods when you need them as opposed to when you get paid as long as you're strict with that process. I also think there's something around if you are in a position and you know you have surplus income and you can't afford the the whole price and you've done your homework and you've budgeted and you know you can afford those payments over a longer period, then absolutely you should be able to, and you should have the right to be able to access those goods and pay in a way that meets your circumstances. But again, I just have unease around the affordability and how those assessments are made.
0: Of course, and I think everyone should take your unease very seriously because you are on the ground speaking to people and you're seeing people's real life stories and the real life consequences of the billions and billions of pounds that are being spent using these types of products. Um, I was wondering if, uh, before we wrap up the part of the conversation, We've talked about the pros. We've talked about the cons. We've talked about how um, things are changing and how things are changing by age as well. It's so interesting how the young—you say the younger people are—the more likely they are to use it. Also, the less likely they are to think that they are in debt. But they're not using any cash. They're just, you know, expending the same amount of energy um, because, to, uh, as uh, you know, any other purchase. Because they're just on a device so i find that aspect really really interesting but could we develop a sort of buy now pay later manifesto so like a bunch of tips on like if you're going to use it this is how you should use it so you've already mentioned one have an amount of money to cover the purchase anyway so you're literally just managing cash flow any others
1: I would say also security. So I would never advise anybody to make an online purchase using their debit card. So if you don't have a credit card and like you say, you know that you can cover it within 30 days, I think security-wise, it's much more secure to use one of those options than to actually use your debit card and expose your, your, your bank account to online purchases. So I would definitely add security to that. Yeah. Um, I think one of the things that people sometimes think is that actually it will improve their credit scoring. Um, And there is something around the fact that because they're not regulated as are other mainstream providers, um, you think you're making payments and you think they're being updated to the credit reference agency. They're not always being done. So I think I wouldn't make the assumption that you will be able to improve your credit score via that process. Um, Conversely, if you miss payments and especially on the kind of pay later Part of it, not just thirty-day instalments. They will definitely upload the fact that you haven't made those payments, and it will affect yeah. your credit score.
0: And just um, to, sorry to jump in there, you know, if you um, if you go to my feed, I did a post in the past month on how Experian scores you um, and the different things they look at and the different scores associated with that. It is far easier to mess up your credit score than it is to improve it. <laughs> trust
1: absolutely. me absolutely and there there will be so many different products that are coming on the market saying that they are credit rebuilders and they can boost your credit score the yeah. reality is it's very simple as long as you follow the the time, age old kind of uh, advice that's been out there for years which is um don't use the full amount on your kind of uh, balance uh, balances Uh, I think 20 less than 25 percent is the kind of
0: 30 percent yeah
1: yeah is is the average that people look at Um, also making sure that you're not shopping out around for credit too often because every search has an impact making sure that you're on the uh, electoral roll making sure that you're making your payments on time every month and you don't miss any payments so yeah absolutely i wouldn't see this as a way to kind of uh, build up your credit at all Um, i think there are other better options for you to be able to do that and i think one of the things that uh, sometimes probably young people think is okay well i'm I'm making payments this has got to be good for my credit file and it's got to be good for my credit score Um, and sometimes it's the lenders that you're using so just the same way that um some lenders will look at somebody who's borrowed from a payday lender and that would adversely affect their credit score. Others, and this is, I'm not saying it's happening now, but in the future, others may look at buy now, pay later types of products um, in the same way as well.
0: Of course, Um, but sorry, you were listing out the tips. So the two we have so far, were: make sure that you can cover the cost. Also, uh, BNPL is a potentially more secure way of making a large purchase versus putting it all in a debit card. Any other thoughts?
1: Um, I think the other key thing is just around making sure that you 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 have access to. So if you're if you're if you're somebody on a low income, and if you don't have access to um, goods in a normal way, I think this is a really useful way for you to be able to set up um, regular payments, and you're able to buy the goods for your children. I really am sorry, I don't have that many tips around why it's a good idea. And you yeah. probably can see why from my perspective. Yeah. Um, but I think those are the two main things, security and, and being able to actually manage cash flow. Um, but yeah, if you like shopping, I guess it also opens up a whole new world of um, yeah, new retailers for you as well. And I guess the other key thing is actually, just to go back on that, is back in the day with Buy Now, Pay Later, people were stuck with whatever suppliers were in that catalog, right? So you, you couldn't walk into um, a main high street shop and just purchase anything. It was whatever that catalog was supplying, whatever that they had those relationships with. Um, so in a way, it's removed the stigma. Um, around being not able to afford things all in one go. So people have much more access to um, goods like you and I, or anybody else can walk into the high street and purchase what they want, uh, which is a good thing because I don't think stigma should be attached to low income or debt. Uh, So I, I think that would be another good reason.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I think the reason why I was keen for us to draw up a list of tips is because People are going to use buy now, pay later, like whether we have this conversation or not. So, so the people are definitely going to use it anyway. If they hear even one of these things and they take it on board, then we can consider that a win.
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. And I, I, I would say look at your alternatives first, number yeah. one. And, and if buy now, pay later is the only option for you, absolutely do your sums. Look at what you can afford. Um, And yeah, it's much more of a secure way to have a a bigger purchase for sure online.
0: Awesome. And just whilst we were talking uh, like a couple minutes back, Finance Reboot said in the comments, um, buy buy now, pay later, brings back memories of buying a laptop from Curry's, failed to pay back within six months, six months flies by super fast. Yeah, the irony is, with these types of services, we're talking about quite complicated things, cash flow management, um, staying on top of your monthly payments, even though they lower the friction to being able to pay for something or buy something. Ironically, you need to be quite an organized person to know what your cash flow is on a month to month basis and to be able to allocate those monthly monthly payments over a long period of time. So it's just something to uh, think about. before we wrap up this part of the conversation then Mina, um, what would you like to see from Buy Now Pay Later in the future? You know, all things, uh, you know, fingers crossed, we won't be in a pandemic forever. And um, the balance may tip back towards the high street in the weeks and months ahead. But we still expect Buy Now Pay Later to continue to be uh, used, to have an increase in use. So what would you like to see from, from uh, those platforms in the future?
1: I'd love to see a bit more transparency. So I'd like to, it to be quite clear that people are entering into um, it is a debt and what the consequences are if you don't pay. Um, so transparency, openness. Um, I would also like to see proper regulation and them coming forward and being able to have that conversation around regulation um, most definitely. I also think um, about making sure that people have access to all the things that they need so are there ways that people can think about looking at their credit scores as part of that process yeah so if, you're, if you're doing a soft credit score, explain what that is so people understand that um, and also how how do you ensure that people have access to all of the types of different um support if things do go wrong so are you making sure that people are aware of um advice agencies are there ways that people can access some of the, the different things that they need so really making sure all of that is is available at the onset i think is really important forgive me if this kind of collapses
0: on me that's cool um you can if you if you're even oh cool you seem to have found a. if you're struggling with a tripod you can just um hold your phone as well
1: yeah no i find that um the tripod is steadier, bizarrely enough, than me holding it. <laughs>
0: oh right, cool. Um, I also love your background. Like, I think that another another kind of tacit agreement we all had in the pandemic is like media appearances. Just go to the bookshelf.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <I, laughs> like I'm learned. Here are my books. Well,
1: like, the funny thing is, I, I'm normally in my bedroom. Uh, yeah. Because it, we have a study and a bedroom type swap over between me and my husband um, and he managed to finish off early today so I was like right I'm grabbing uh, the study <laughs>
0: alright cool 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 alright well that, that wraps up the part of the conversation with, oh actually no let me we had a, we had a very good comment actually Freckley knows says affordability checks needed um, that's a really good suggestion too and um, kind of uh, is a. Uh, it reminds me of what you said earlier on in the conversation Mina about of the differences between buy now, pay later and other forms of um, unsecured debt, being that um, you're kind of assessed for something like a credit card in a way that you may not necessarily be for a buy now, pay later or pay in three service. Um, cool, so we're now onto the rapid fire questions. These are just a few questions I ask all the guests that come on the show. Yeah, correct. And then we can wrap up. So first, what's been your biggest financial achievement to date?
1: Oh, it's funny. We had a session last week as a team um, and we were talking through actually some of these issues. Um, I thought I'd I'd get some ideas from the younger members of the FMA team around what their thoughts were. And we actually talked through some of our our biggest financial kind of uh, achievements. For me, and this is really bizarre, um, it's definitely paying off my student loan. Um, And I think it's the realization That actually when I took when I was a student and I did take out those loans not once did I think how long it would take me to pay them back yeah Um, and it was interesting to understand that actually having come through the process of being a debt advisor I was able to look at the paperwork for my student loans and realize no I didn't need to stick to just the contractual payments that they wanted me to pay if I actually overpaid, I could save myself some interest, so I, I kind of pushed all of my income into overpaying as much as I could, yeah, uh, and then reduced it by a couple of years. so I, I would encourage people to look at the paperwork if they 're not quite sure um, what that paperwork means, definitely go and seek advice um, and absolutely encourage you sometimes uh, the creditors themselves don 't encourage you to overpay they say that you 'll pay a financial penalty. But nine times out of ten, the financial penalty is way less than what you're saving in interest. So it's always worthwhile having a look at what your options are. So I think, yeah, for me, um, paying off my student loans um, and being debt-free was a huge, huge thing for me.
0: Okay, cool. I just have to ask this question because this is something I've posted about before. What's your stance then on um, people who don't, Earn uh, over the threshold where you're required to pay the nine percent, or people who sit in that middle band who were never going to pay the student loan off anyway, and therefore, the the amount they're paying off functions more like a like a tax on their income.
1: Uh, yeah, I think the whole system needs an overhaul. Number one, mm. and I think there's something around actually linking it to people's affordability rather than these random thresholds. I think we need to think about ways that people can make some small contributions where they can, Um, but also there has to be a, a focus on actually, I think it was mentioned earlier, affordability. So sometimes people are continually in the deferring, deferring mode because they haven't reached that threshold yet but I think where people have assistance from family members or or other people that can contribute, I think there should be a way that people realize that they can start to make payments towards that, even if they haven't reached the threshold. But I think the whole system now, um, and obviously I came out of university a long time ago, but the whole system now, I think, yeah, it just, scares the life out of me to think that if I could come out with 50,000 pounds worth of debts or anything like that so what I would say to young people is definitely make sure that you understand um, the responsibilities and the requirements but also look at ways and options that you can overpay um, when you reach that threshold or even have a conversation around how you can start to contribute before you reach that threshold.
0: Well that's super detailed answer thank you um what money what one piece of money advice would you have given to yourself 10 years ago
1: um i would have probably started my pension a lot sooner so i would encourage that's a them,
0: good one
1: absolutely and i would encourage people to start thinking about their retirement um what their aspirations are when they stop working um obviously the state pension has been raised significantly and by the time i get to that age it might even Go even further, um, so I think we have to start thinking about the state cannot be your one fallback or your one option, um, so there has to be ways that you think about how you your, your your retirement is going to be funded, so if that means looking and sitting down with an independent financial advisor and and thinking about what your contributions should be. Um, but also thinking about other options around your investments and your pension and and what your retirement should look at. So if I would give one answer, it would be your pension.
0: Again, the paradox with the pension is when you're young, you think of it as this old people thing, but then you get older and you're like, no, it's like for young people, you should start as early as possible. So that's another great answer. If you were to win the lottery, Let's say you were to win 10 million pounds. How would you allocate that money?
1: After the holidays, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: after, after the raves and banter.
1: After the raves and banter, and we so need it after 2020. <laughs> um, I would... And this is just about me or anything that I, I want to do? Or...
0: You've literally won the lottery, 10 million, which is tax-free as well. So yeah, 10 million into your bank account. How do you allocate it
1: so obviously I would donate some to uh definitely the money advice sector so people who are out there helping people manage their money um uh, I would also think about a fund to be honest with you and developing a fund for young people to start exactly those conversations around what does my pension look like? What does my financial future look like? Um, And then I would also think about with that, whatever's left over thinking about how we can ensure that the economies of our high streets and our communities are much more mixed and blended. So are there things that we can have, Um, I don't know, you have street doctors, can we have um, street money advisors and just really ensuring that Everything that we do is kind of scaled and put out into the community because I think the next ten to fifteen years, so that we've we 've gone through fifteen years of austerity, um, which has been very interesting um, and has caused lots of damage and I think about the next fifteen years and the recovery from this pandemic and I, and I think if we don 't put in lots of interventions and support, um, we could be seeing a generation that yeah is impacted from secondary school all the way up to retirement potentially.
0: Yeah, and we would absolutely hate for that to happen because sometimes I feel that our generation that happened to us, you know, like oh eight and then now twenty twenty. Huge cost of living, um, you know, stagnation with regards to wages. So yeah, we can't we can't have that happen to the next generation, especially when this most recent pandemic and the fallout from it literally wasn't their fault, had nothing to do with them. Um, I really feel for young people living in the world today, studying, not being able to see their friends, literally because, you know, this has has had nothing to do with them, so, yeah. Um, Cool. What are your long-term money goals? When you look 10 years in the future, where would you like to be?
1: Um, I would probably be completely because my aim is to be completely debt-free and live a debt-free life. And I, and I think that comes from um, a, not just the work that I do and the line of work that I'm in, but also I'm from a, a black community and I know some, my families and, and how people have been affected um, through debt and through not having the right financial education. Yeah, for, for me, I would love to be in a position where um, we're not seeing the same level of crisis within our black and ethnic minority communities. I'd like to see some equality around um, access to opportunity. Um, And if I can contribute to part of that, I'd love to be able to be part of that story. But I think for me, I think, yeah, absolutely be comfortable retirement, be in a position to be able to kind of. think through where I'd like to be, um, and if that means being back home in Africa, or if that means staying here, um, having the options to do that. And I think one of the things that people don't realise is that money is just a tool about life options. And I think the better decisions that you make when you're younger, the more options that are available to you when you're older. So I would say to anybody that's listening here, Definitely, if you haven't done a budget before, look through your budget, speak to a professional if you need to, but also think about where you want to be in five years time, 10 years time, um, and start to work towards that. Rome was never built in a day. You're not gonna go from A to Z in like 30 seconds, but you have to start putting in the building blocks. And I think that's something that um, being African and, being um, Somali as well, um, has always been built into us that you just literally have to start from ground zero and you have to ensure that you're putting in the work to get to where you want to be. So I would definitely encourage people to do the same.
0: That's awesome. Nothing nothing to add to that at all. Um, I do hope that uh, the people watching this and the people listening to this back do take something away from this. Um, final question the rapid fire questions what does success mean to you
1: success for me i think it means that we're having an impact on people's lives and i think because we my team um somebody described them the other day as uh, an angel that had been brought to uh in human form to them in this life. like Someone said
0: that about someone on your team.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that shows you the level of impact that we have because we're dealing, finance like hits every part of people's lives, right? So it doesn't matter if people are dealing with domestic violence, or if they're dealing with um, immigration issues, to be able to unlock whatever is keeping them stuck. And I think that's what we see ourselves as sometimes like, um, just the, the code breakers, breaking that code to ensure that people are able to move on with their lives. I think that is success to me and the more that we have impact on people's lives. And I think the scale of that, so for the last few years, obviously we, we pride ourselves on being a locally based organization that has that local connection and represent the communities that we, that we support. So. Um, one of the things that we 've been working over the last two to three is how do we scale up that impact? How do we ensure that we 're reaching more people but without losing that connection to them? Um, so I think success for me is when at the moment we 're seeing around two and a half thousand three thousand people a year. Um, success for me is when we scale that up to seven to ten thousand and we 're still getting those types of comments and yeah. people still feel that we 're having that impact, so I think that to me. Um, In a nutshell, is what I would be very proud
0: of. Awesome, awesome stuff. Awesome conversation as well. Um, Just as a final remark, sir, anyone you want to shout out or any any anything you want to plug?
1: I will plug absolutely (laughs) the the free debt advice money advice sector. So I think um, if you don't know about fair money advice or if you don't know about debt free London or if you're feeling any way anxious about money, I would say contact us. We are now on Instagram, thanks to Mr Money Jar. Um, thank you. Um, but you can find our details on Instagram, on Twitter, you can check out our website, but I would say first have that conversation. Um, but I would also plug really great organisations like the Money Advice and Pension Service who are really working with um, a huge scalable problem and what's coming down the line and have invested heavily on making sure that smaller organizations and their partner organizations have the resources and the the kind of teams in place to be able to do that. So we've grown uh, threefold over the last 12 months. um, And that's been a lot of investment in terms of coaching and training. And so, um, yeah, we're ready to help if you need it, you just need to reach out. And one of the things that I want to actually Um, commend you for, Timmy, is getting money normalised and talking about it and and making sure that people who wouldn't normally access this type of information are able to do so on platforms that they feel comfortable with and platforms that they interact with. So, um, yeah, I think absolutely a plug for you and a plug for us.
0: Thank you so much. And um, I think now that you are on Instagram, there is a whole scene. There are so many wonderful and talented creators on here. Um, and I hope that this is, I uh, hope you really do find your, your home uh, here on Instagram as well because the work you do is incredible. I've actually referred someone to you in the past year. And um, yeah, you just continue to do what you're doing. I hope you continue to scale up your efforts and I hope you continue to get awesome feedback like that person your team did. That brings us to the end of today's conversation thank you for joining us for lending us your time and your expertise thank you to everyone at home who tuned in to listen to this live who's listening to this back as a podcast happy april 12th i hope you all go out and get a trim do your nails return clothes all the various things we've been able to do over the past few weeks and we'll be back here at the same time next week monday with another awesome guest everyone take care
1: Brilliant. Thank you.
0: Bye-bye.